0: talked about unconventional wisdom, insight through hindsight, that life is lived forwards and understood backwards. We've looked back at the wisdom of the ages in order to garner a a sense of wisdom for us today. We're coming to the end of that, and uh, last week we looked at hope and how we're called to wait on hope. That means we make space for it by not rushing in with answers and quick fis- fixes. And so this morning, as a people of hope, how do we help hope to grow? How do we linger in hope? How do we abide in hope? How do we not, not just think of hope as something that we gain and put away, but how do we build it like a muscle? To answer that question, we're turning to Psalm 42. To cap off this series, it starts book two of five books of the Psalms. The Psalms are broken into five books. The beginning of the second book of the Psalms is Psalm 42. When you begin to get into themes like the exile, The, the structure of the book of Psalms really reflects the five books of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, If you think of the second book of the Torah, Exodus, it's an amazing mirror image here in this psalm as one of the sons of Korah, who feels cut off from the people, begins to represent the whole of the people, but also he speaks with that lamenting voice, that honest lamenting voice, like unto Job, but with Hope, expecting that facing his difficulties will build it. From the Word of God, Psalm 42. Hear God's Word this morning. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at the breakers, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast? O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my Savior and my God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, your, your word is eternal. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and we are eternal creatures. Speak to us of eternity, of an eternal living hope this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in a land of kingdoms and kings and horses and knights long, long ago, a prisoner of war was held captive in a dungeon, and he made a plea to the king through one of his courtiers, and he said, if I can get your horse to fly... Within a year's time, will you uh, set me free? And the horse, the, uh, the horse, yeah, the horse, the owner of the horse, the king, said, yeah, I'll take that, that deal. Well, as he was leaving the, the, the dungeon, his, the prisoners were laughing at him, mocking him. They said, it's crazy what you're doing. He said, well, look at it this way. In a year's time, the king could die, the horse could die. who knows? Maybe the horse could fly. Well, this is not a picture of hope. This is a picture of wishful thinking. And you and I use that word hope. I've used it several times this morning. I hope you have a good day. I hope the power comes on before breakfast. Yeah, I really said that. We use it as wishful thinking. What is hope? It's an experience, a present experience borrowed from a future promise. Last week, we recognized that, that we do have that experience. When, when you have a sense of God's mercy and salvation, you do have a sense of that hope. How do we build it like a muscle rather than using it as sort of denial? I think a lot of people think of Christianity, they think of their faith, they think of a Sunday morning, even a Sunday morning message as a, a cup of warm milk. You know, a little massage on the shoulders. You know, just sort of pat, pat you on the backside as you go out and, and, uh, and just have a great day. I hope, I hope things go well for you this week. Christianity is a real wrestling with God, a facing of reality with a deep well of resource called hope. And so let's look this morning about how to turn towards reality and deal with reality, with hope as our resource. As we put on the three faces of hope, an honest face, a survivor's face, and a coach's face, that's hope. It turns towards difficulty with a face of honesty, survival, and coaching. First, hope turns towards difficulty. doesn't deny it with an honest face, an honest face that has permission to feel, permission to be real with God, permission to pour out your heart, whatever it is. He knows it already. Permission to feel an honest face. Look at verse 3 again. My tears have been my food. Here's somebody who's cut off from his people. He's being mocked. Maybe this represents the Babylonian captivity and he's speaking for the people. Maybe it's just one person who is isolated from believers and dealing with people who have no hope. The point in Hebrew is conveyed in pictures. When was your last meal? Salt water from your eyes. This is what he's saying. My tears have been my food. My tears have been my food. What a mess. What a hot mess. He's saying, I've been a hot mess. That's what he's saying. This is a modern translation. Even beyond Eugene Peterson's The Message, he's saying, I've been a hot mess this week while I'm being mocked. He has permission to be real with God. You say, well, I I thought in the New Testament we're called to deny ourselves, not sort of you know, nurse our wounds well that's true we are called to deny ourselves but let's, let's be clear about what that means that doesn't mean ignore yourself you can die to the wrong things and it ends up being the opposite of what we're called to be and to do and that is selfless we're called to die to selfishness and you, if you don't work out what's really going on with you with God then you're going to work it out on everyone else This is what, that's the point that is being modeled for us here. It's kind of like the, the guy who, who had a bad day, uh, you know, he's mad at his boss, so he kicks the dog, you know, that sort of classic example. He doesn't really know why he kicks the dog and why he's really mad, he just brought it all home. And some people say, you know, um, you know whoever's earning, you know, the, whether it's a man or a woman, whoever's earning that, they need some drive time or cave time before they come home. I, when, when I think of it, I think of it as cave time. You know, you need, you need some time to decompress. If you're not working out, the point is if you're not working out what's really going on with you, with God, you're going to work it out on everyone else. I heard it put this way one time, that when you're, when you're bitten by a, by a viper, and you're bitten by a viper. You can deal with the venom or you can chase the snake. I sat down next to a rattlesnake uh, a couple of years ago. I didn't discover that I'd sat down next to a rattlesnake uh, until I saw him moving away. So I must have sat down right on him, uh, right under that rock. And I thought, if, if, if he had bit me, what would I do? Would I go chase him? <laughs> no. I would deal with the venom. Some of you believe that Christianity are, is, is really spiritual sprinkles, a cup of warm milk, to make you feel better about what's going on, instead of to work it out, to deal with your salvation, to deal with what's really going on. I can tell you, young dads, your little girl climbing up in your lap needs you throughout your, her growing up years that go by very, very fast to be fully awake and alive to those moments, not preoccupied somewhere else because you're not working out what's really going on with you. We need Christian men and women who know how to deal with their real feelings and not pretend them away, not deny them, and not think of of faith and hope and love as a, a resource to deflect them, to ignore them, to set them aside, but to work through them you see, the best way to let hope grow is, is not to look for ways around difficulty, but to take hope through it and see what it does in the midst of your difficulty. You can chase the snake if you want. Some of you are chasing snake. What snake are you chasing this morning? Snake of vengeance? Snake of sense of injustice? Snake of just sort of waiting on things to change and then you'll feel better? You can see, the son of Korah, he's taking his grievances to God honestly, bold-faced, with messy tears. He's working it out. That's the honest face. See, if you spend enough time with an honest face, you're going to feel like a survivor. You're going to put on the face of a survivor. And the survivor looks and turns towards difficulty and not away from it, with expectations. Yep, the honest face goes to God with permission. The survivor's face turns towards difficulty with expectations. That God is always at work. He's always doing something. He's always at work. Not always using your faith to try to fine-tune and perfect your life, but he's using every part of your life to perfect your faith. He lets nothing go to waste. Do you believe that? That nothing goes to waste. I mean, there's there are things that happen uh, in under the banner of suffering. You think, what is the point of that? I mean, that I always think of the I always think of the, the chair that moved in the middle of the night and catches me on the toe. You know, the little toe. It's like, what? What's the point of that? You know. The survivor's face knows that nothing goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste. He's saying in verse seven, Deep calls to deep, your breakers have broken over me. It, you've, you've been in that, that double red flag moment on the beach, right? When they put both the red flags up. I don't know if it's just one beach that, I, that we happen to go to, but when they put two red, red flags out, watch out, right? Because you're going to think you're going to body surf, but you're going to be <laughs> heading head over heels, right? You've been in that. You've probably been in one of those breakers. Where do they come from? Where do those breakers come from? You know, the, the, you think of the guys out who, uh, who are surfing out in northern California or southern California, and they're waiting on the big one, right, the big kahuna. They're, they're waiting for that. Where is it coming from? You see, the image is carrying the meaning again. He's saying, deep calls to deep. Your breakers have broken over me, but I know they come from depths that I cannot understand. I know that their mystery is too great for me to understand. It's like I said last week. You can have, you can have answers that fit into your brain, or you can have a God-sized hope. Here he's saying, look, I, I know that this, I am being honest about what this feels like, but I know that there must be more. You're always at work doing something. This is coming from a place of depth and it's speaking to the depth of my soul. He's letting God know something he doesn't know. And in the mystery of it, he is being soothed. Deep calls to deep. In Hebrews chapter 2, you can see a picture of Christ who is called to suffering, called to a place of suffering. At the front end as the tip of the spear to defeat death and evil. But you're the rest of the spear. This is what he says. He's talking about, uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about Psalm 8. And he's saying, you know, What is man that you're mindful of them? You know, you made a little bit lower than angels. And then he turns to illustrate that with Jesus. He said, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Hmm. Why? goes on. For it was fitting that he whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons and daughters to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. He's always doing something. I've got a little compilation book of George MacDonald sayings I I had in college and one that I circled when I was still in college. It's kind of fun to go back and see things that meant something to you when you're a little older. I went back and looked at that. And one of those quotations says this that Jesus did not suffer to keep us from suffering, but so that when we do suffer, we might become more like him. Deep is calling to deep, and the psalmist is recognizing that within suffering there is hope. That it may be a tool that God is using letting nothing go to waste, not to use your faith and hope and love to perfect your life, but sometimes using parts of your life to perfect your faith. The foundation of an eternal hope is your faith. Are you willing to let God know something you don't know about your circumstances? Are you willing to let a big God know something you don't know in the mystery of the depths. It's a little bit like that story about the guy who had a son who, he left and didn't come back, and he was worried, so he told his neighbors, his neighbors said, what a shame, what a tragedy, your son disappeared. And he said, well, we'll see, let's wait and see. Next day, the son came back with a horse wild horse he had found out in the wild, you know, just a a stallion. And the neighbors heard about it, and they said, oh, what a blessing. And the father said, "Hmm, let's wait and see. Later that week, the son was trying to break the horse, and the horse broke him, broke his hip. Couldn't walk. Neighbors said, what a tragic turn of events, what a tragedy. And The father said, "Hmm, let's wait and see. Not long after that, all of the sons of that village were called into military service and eventually sent to the front, and every one of those sons in that village was killed at the front, except for the one son with a broken hip. You know the tip of the iceberg about your circumstances. So little of what we know about the breakers where they come from, where they're going. Are you willing to let God know something that you don't know? Well, when you are willing and you recognize that he is doing something in the midst of those difficult circumstances, when you do that, you've just put on the survivor's face. And the survivor's face, once the survivor begins to look into the depths and the difficulties and turning towards them and going through them and not around them and not turning away from them with expectations that God is always at work and lets nothing go to waste. Then you are equipped to coach your soul. Put it on the coach's face, to be a coach of your own soul, to turn towards difficulties, not just to receive what's going on and to let the breakers wash over you. But to speak, but to speak back, to talk back to what's going on. To be your own soul's coach. You turn towards difficulty with words. Verse 11. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? <laughs> I mean, that is a confrontational question, right? When you ask somebody, why did you do that? Why? Why, why did you do that? That, that's that's, that's, that's a, an accusation or a confrontation decorated with a question mark, isn't it, right? It's just a little decoration. It's not a real question. It's like, why are you doing that? That's a coach. I had a coach one time, early morning swimming. He would just bark and bark and bark. You know, the, the, the word, the, the Greek word for, for encouragement <laughs> is parakaleo, to call alongside you. And he would walk up and down the pool and just calling out. Keep going, you know. Are you your own soul's coach even barking out, why are you this way? Why are you downcast on my soul? Why in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Here's a, a quotation from a pastor in, uh, in London. England, um, several decades ago, named Martin Lloyd Jones. He says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness is, in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? <laughs> oh, that hurts, doesn't it? I mean, it's so true. What you say to yourself, what are you believing this morning about yourself, about God, about your circumstances? What are you believing? Take those thoughts that come to you in the moment. You wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man, he's talking about Psalm 42. This man... Uh, in Psalm 42, it says this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to them, he starts talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O oh, my soul, he asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self? I, uh, one of my high school teachers used to say that. I, so I said to myself, self? And he always thought it was funny. He did it dozens of times in the semester. And he always laughed, and we didn't. And he said, self, listen a moment and I will speak to you. Are you doing that? Now, when I was thinking about this, I was trying to think of a picture of this. I was thinking about these two African leaders in South Africa a couple couple decades ago, not long ago. uh, Robert Mugabe and Nelson Mandela. Both, one in Zimbabwe, one in South Africa, both working for the independence of their country, both dealing with apartheid, both, both... imprisoned unjustly but one of them talked to himself and one of them didn't one of them was just waiting to get out of prison so he could chase the snake the other one was dealing with the venom Nelson Mandela said this to himself the greatest glory in living lies uh, the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing but rising every time we fall That sounds like somebody coaching himself. It always seems impossible until it's done. Oh boy, I think about that all the time, don't you? That's somebody who's coaching himself. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects the freedom of others. That's somebody who's really dealing with the venom of his enemies, of the bite from his circumstances, even before he's released from prison. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The oppressor must be liberated just as surely as the oppressed. Now that's somebody who's dealing with his own demons. That's somebody who's dealing with oppression, dealing with his circumstances by coaching his soul, talking to himself. And so this morning, let me leave you with this. Just something for head, heart, hands, and whole. Right, The whole is your soul. Your soul. You, you, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. Did you know that? You are a soul. Some total of it. Let me give you something for your, so these four questions, coaching questions for yourself. Where do you start your day? Is it just the ringing and echoing from yesterday? Or are you starting it on purpose? Where do you start your day? Where? Where do you start your day? Uh, are you starting with worry? Somebody said, if you, uh, if you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. Let's find something else to meditate on. Where do you start your day? Head, that's, that's heart, head. What do you believe about the breakers? Do they come from the depths? Can God know something you don't know? What? That's something for your head, the content, the thought. Hands. How? How are you to serve? Next week, we're gonna give you all kinds of on-ramps to be about somebody other than yourselves, to be involved in other people's lives. Uh, Wouldn't it be weird and amazing if somebody who didn't have children to get involved in children's ministry? Just to get involved in children's ministry. And we have that. We have all kinds of people who don't have children who are involved in student ministry. It's just wonderful how how they recognize that they're called and if they're going to work on, if God is going to work on shifting the center of their life from themselves to himself then there's going to be something to do with their hands and finally whole who are you becoming the christian is the one who is working out their salvation and this is what's happening in Psalm 42. Somebody who's putting on an honest face and really dealing with what's really going on. They're aware of what's really going on and they're aware of what, how it affects the people around them. Somebody who has a survivor face who doesn't have to have all the answers tucked into their little brain to say, there's something going on here that might be important that I need to pay attention to. And finally, the coach's face who can talk back to his problems and say, You're not the boss of me today. This is the face. Hope. You know, these are things that we work on, not because we're going to live 80, 90, 100 years, but because you're called as a creature to live forever. Because sometimes God will use your life to perfect your faith. Let's pray together. Holy God, thank you for your, your love for us that doesn't withhold the fish doesn't give us a stone. Sometimes we see that stone. We see the fish as the stone. We don't know that you're giving us a fish. Sometimes, God, it just looks like a stone for the rest of our lives. We can't ever make sense of it. But we thank you that you're always at work, always at work to perfect our faith. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. And so this coming season, right upon our hearts the living word that our life may speak even through suffering of the one in whom we hope. In whose name we pray, Jesus, amen.